I wanted you to watch that because the title of that song is Freedom Was a Highway. And if you'll don't miss that little verb there, it's past tense, right? Freedom was a highway. So these guys are kind of looking where they are now, looking back in the past and all the freedom that they had. And it's kind of changed for them now. It's a little different. Freedom wasn't what they thought it was or they want to go back to the way it was. But I want to speak to you today about every issue, okay? Tomorrow, we celebrate what? Jul- July 4th, Independence Day, that's right. And uh, some of you might be celebrating this afternoon with uh, uh, activities that you might have. But what images come to mind when you hear about July 4th? What mental pictures come into your mind? Things such as fireworks, part of it, flags, the American flag hanging in front of the homes. Can't leave this one out. How about barbecue? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Derek, barbecue, right? There you go. Part of the uh, July 4th celebrations, picnics, family picnics, uh, military context, those who have given their lives or served in our military services. By the way, anybody here has served or have part of the family that's served in the military? Just want to you know give you a shout out for that and uh, the, the families and, and things that have, uh, have had military service in one way or the other. But we celebrate July 4th because of the military that we have over the years in the history of our country. How about movies? You know, you catch a movie every once in a while. I mean, who could forget Braveheart, right, with Mel Gibson? Freedom! Remember that scene? Or how about, uh, I had a friend of mine, a fellow coach uh, years ago, he made it a point every year to watch Saving Private Ryan as a reminder of the cost of freedom and what it meant. And he made it part of his family routine to watch that movie every year. We have all kinds of different things. All of these and maybe a few more are vivid images of freedom, right? And calls for celebration. But really, what is freedom? What is freedom? Have you ever tried to define freedom in your own terms without an Oxford Dictionary around? Not someone else's idea, but have you actually tried to define what freedom is? Does it look the same for everyone? I suppose if we kind of had everyone write out their definition, we'd probably have 50 or 60 different definitions. So maybe for you, freedom was a highway. Maybe that's how you see freedom. A long open road ahead and full of opportunity, excitement, fun, you know, just, just living life, freedom. You know, you notice some of my favorite cars in that video, by the way, uh, convertible uh, Mustang. Looked like a 66, uh, some of you car aficionados out there. Convertible, and uh, I could feel it now, the breeze just flying through my hair as I'm driving down the road there. And... Okay, I said freedom was a highway, Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, but nonetheless, you know, just living life, right? Remember the transition from high school to college? Some of you have to go back a long time, some not too long ago. But that transition, if you could remember your state of mind during that time, you looked forward to finally getting your what? Freedom. I know you talked about it, so did I. It's a major point in our life. Freedom from your parents. Freedom from your teachers, therefore freedom from your homework, freedom to make your own decisions, freedom to make your own schedule, 
freedom to eat what you want to eat and when you want to eat it. You are finally free. You remember that time of life? You are finally free. Really? Really? If freedom was a highway, you realize that's not really the way it is, is it? You just thought it was freedom. Until you go to college, then guess what? You have teachers again. Then you have homework again. And even though you might be out from your parents, they text you every day, you know. Subtle reminders. They're still looking after you, you know. We just thought that was freedom. Historically, it's a day when in this country we celebrate freedom, going back to when America was born out of a revolution and earned its freedom. Freedom has always been something highly valued in our society through the last couple of centuries. Freedom seemed to be at the top of our list of things that folks wanted to maintain in our culture and in our society. And over the years, over the years, there has been a phrase that has been used with regard to freedom, and it's this. It's the phrase, the truth shall make you free. The truth will make you free. So from today's text, we're going to examine Jesus' thoughts on freedom. Not ours, not societies, not other cultures, but the one thought process that matters more than anyone else's, and he speaks about freedom. I think it's worth our time to look at what he says about what freedom is. And we're going to see that from the text there are only really two perspectives regarding freedom. There's only two. Freedom from an earthly, physical perspective or freedom from a spiritual perspective. That's the only two perspectives there are. So there are really, um, at that point, most people define their freedom, now watch this, from the physical to the spiritual. They look at our concept of freedom today, and we take those ideas and they have an impact and tend to help form our idea of spiritual freedom. We take the physical and it helps define our spiritual understanding of what that is. But Jesus defines freedom from the spiritual to the physical. Understand the difference? Jesus says, to really understand freedom, you have to understand the spiritual principles of freedom before you can really understand and apply it into the physical side of what freedom is. Because it helps you understand what freedom is all about. If you take what we, and we're influenced by our culture, and take the principles of what our culture says and defines freedom, and then try to work into the spiritual aspect, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So Jesus, in the passage this morning, goes into that. I would dare say that most people... Most people let their physical understanding of freedom define their spiritual understanding of freedom. That's probably where most of us are. In this case, the physical defines the spiritual instead of letting the spiritual define the physical. And this is the issue that Jesus is communicating to the people around him. And Jesus reveals two aspects of freedom. Freedom from or freedom to. Freedom from this and freedom to this. So if we uh, does the scripture really address this issue of freedom a lot? Let me just kind of share with you a few passages here. Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. 
Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Ephesians chapter 1. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. How about Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14? For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And there are other passages. It really is something about this freedom. And I don't know, really, maybe it's worth our time to look at it as well. So in light of kind of the July 4th idea, let's look what freedom is about. Uh, the passage uh, in the, this morning is uh, in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. And uh, have it uh, up on the board there for you. Thank you, Colin, for putting that up there. Let's read the passage today and kind of see what, uh, what Jesus has to say about this idea of freedom. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham. Some of the people there, the Pharisees, responded to Jesus' statement. But we are the descendants of Abraham. They said, We have never, we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? In verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free. You are truly free. There are three things in the passage I would like to bring out for you today um, about this idea about what freedom is and how people have these preconceived notions that they really know what freedom is about. Jesus talks about the progress of freedom. He talks about the pretense of freedom, and then he talks about the promise of freedom in this passage. So let's kind of dig in and find out what he's talking about here. See, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me address the crowd real quickly, okay, whom Jesus is talking to, and there's an interchange, there's a dialogue going on, and people are saying things, and Jesus makes a comment, and they say something back, and they respond, and they're kind of wrestling with this idea about freedom and being free. So who is this crowd? If you'll notice, it says Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Who believed in him. So you would think that these are people who are on the side of Jesus Christ, who are born-again believers because it says they believed in him. However, a closer examination of this, who is Jesus talking to with the crowd there? Jesus said to the people who believed in him, let me kind of just, just do some background work for you, Okay. These are people who are not true believers. You say, wait a minute, that's what the passage says, right? Let me kind of reshape a few things here. Matthew 13, 5 begins dealing with this type of subject content here. Okay? Let me read what that says. You're familiar with this passage, I believe. It's when Jesus is talking about the seed, how it falls on certain types of soil, if you recall that passage. And in particular, Matthew chapter 13, verse 5, other seeds fell on shallow soil 
with underlying rock. So you don't have a lot of soil base, do you? Real shallow soil with rock underneath. The seeds, listen closely, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants, the plants that sprouted quickly, soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. John chapter 6, verse 60, many of his disciples said, after a communication of, of what Jesus was talking about in that passage, this is very hard to understand. How could anyone accept it? Jesus goes on to say, but some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, this is what I said, that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And at this point, listen closely, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. And when they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. So, going back to the passage now about the crowd... These are the people that Jesus is talking to in the passage, the ones of those that we just read about. These are the ones that let the physical define the spiritual. Their understanding of spiritual freedom was influenced by their physical perspective. They claim to be true followers and disciples, thereby possessing true freedom. But Jesus says otherwise. Jesus says otherwise. You know, guys, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. Today, our churches in Christianity are full of people who have the appearance of following Christ. But they're not. They're not. If um, in John chapter 8, verse 44, the same passage, a little bit farther down, we don't have the passage up there, but let me read it to you because Jesus is the same group of people that we just read about in the crowd. Listen to what Jesus says. For you, those folks he's been talking to, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow. Jesus pulls back the curtain right there, doesn't he? Did you know who you really are? You know who you really are? Same chapter, a few verses after that. Listen to the response of those disciples in the crowd that he had been talking to. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. You know, I have a hard time thinking if you're really a disciple of someone, <laughs> that you're going to take up stones and throw at them. These are people in the crowd 
that had a concept and understanding from a perspective in the physical sense of what freedom is about, Jesus called them out on it. And when they did, they got angry. They got upset to the point they wanted to stone him. That's who Jesus is talking to. People who don't understand what freedom really is. They look at freedom strictly from a physical perspective, and it defined their spiritual understanding. Jesus is talking to them and saying this is the spiritual truth of what it is, and it should affect how you see freedom physically and how you live. They didn't like that. That's the crowd. Let's start the confirmation in that passage that Jesus identifies who his true disciples are. He says, not you guys, but you want to know who true disciples are? In verse 31, you are truly my disciples, and here's the condition, if you remain faithful to my teachings. Guys, of everything that can be said in the Scripture, if we are encouraged at times to examine ourselves for our own salvation, look in your heart, and this is the test by which you will know, do you follow the teachings of Jesus Christ? If you don't, on a consistent day-in, day-out basis. It's not saying that we're not going to stumble and fall. We do. But you get back up again, and you seek the forgiveness of the Lord, and you line yourself back up with the Scriptures, and you begin to walk that walk as best as you can with the help of the Holy Spirit of the Lord. That's the test. See, Psalm 119 in uh, verse 44 and 45 says, I will keep on obeying your instructions Forever and ever, I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. You see that? You see the connection? Obedience is tied into freedom. So what is the evidence of a true follower of Christ? Jesus confirms this by saying, if you remain faithful to my teachings. You don't walk away like the disciples did in John chapter 6. You don't grab up stones because I say something difficult to, to handle and throw it at your teacher. You don't do that. But you remain faithful to my teachings. Jesus is speaking of the impact that future events will have in determining your true discipleship. It's not an issue right now. What's going to happen here is each of us are going to walk down a road. And along that way, there are going to be difficulties. There's going to be pitfalls. There's going to be victories. There's going to be defeats. The question is, where are you going to be in your faith 10 years from now? Are you going to be like the seed that took, took root in shallow soil and sprouted for a few minutes and then gone? Is that where you're going to be? That's what Jesus is asking. That's the test of true discipleship. And I suppose there's a lot of folks who never thought in 10 years down the road they'd be so far away and have walked away from anything to do with Jesus Christ. They've walked away because life got tough. Because back in the passage in Matthew, remember the sun got hot? It's a picture of the idea of the difficulties of life. Sometimes life scorches you, doesn't it? doesn't go your way Jesus says if you're my disciple you'll still be walking with me 10 years from now so what's the conclusion of this particular part of the passage those who truly desire to follow Jesus and commit their lives to the obedience of the scripture 
will be set free. We'll be set free. So that's the process of what freedom is. You walk every day the best you can with the help of the Holy Spirit to the commandments of the Lord, and you'll be truly set free. That's how it works. That's the process. Well, what about the pretense of freedom, verses 33 and 34? Because the people respond to that idea now, okay? They respond to what Jesus has said, and they didn't like what Jesus said. Because look what they said, but we, but we are the descendants of Abraham. They said, we have never been slaves to anyone. In fact, we don't even like the implication of what your words are saying. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? We've always been free. That's their physical understanding of what it means. You see, verse 33, the pretense of freedom. The pretense of freedom has its origins and sources other than Jesus. What was their source of freedom in their mind? We are children of whom? Abraham. They didn't claim to be children of Jesus Christ. When it got down to it, they saw and revealed their true source of what they thought produced their freedom. We are children of Abraham. So the pretense of freedom, those who really don't understand, those who don't get it in a spiritual, biblical sense, they're going to find their sources in something other than Jesus Christ. And they begin to form their freedom ideas around those sources other than Christ himself. That's what they did. Consider Israel's past history. I, Jesus had to chuckle a little bit, I would think, in this. When they said, we have never been slaves to anyone. Maybe they forgot their history. Egypt? Egypt? The captivity recorded the book of Judges over and over again by the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Moabites, the Midianites, along with a few other ites that are out there. All throughout the book of Judges. That's what the judges had to do. The Lord had finally feel sorry for them because of their sin and rebellion, and he would send a judge to deliver them from captivity. How about Babylon? Babylon swept down and took him captive around 586 B.C. Did they forget about Nebuchadnezzar so quickly? How about the Medo-Persia Empire? How about Syria? How about Rome? My, how we tend to forget. And they stood there in front of the Lord and said, we have never been slaves. Never been slaves. But that's what the pretense of freedom is. Those who have a misunderstanding think they really understand what freedom is. They're taking in their understanding from a physical realm and totally dismissing the spiritual truth of what freedom really is. Then what is the promise of freedom? What is the promise? Jesus replied back to them. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, 
you are truly free. He goes back to the same idea. He's trying to communicate to them and tell them, guys, the basis of your understanding about freedom is incorrect. If the Son sets you free, that's the spiritual issue because He is the Son. If the Son sets you free, then you are truly free. And the basis for your understanding of what freedom is is totally out of line with what I'm trying to communicate. And he says, I tell you the truth. You see, one thing about, uh, there's a passage in, in the Gospels that says, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Something we need to understand about uh, th this sense of truth. Jesus wasn't just telling them what truth is. Jesus is truth. They are one in the same thing. Truth is not an embodiment of principles and words that exist apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth, rather, is embodied in Jesus Christ. Therefore, everything that he says must be true. Because truth inherently is consistent and absolute in all things. Two plus two will always be four. That will never change. Never change. So with the idea of the promise of freedom, I want to bring out two things in that passage in 35 and 36 about the reality of freedom. He says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Well, that's pretty blunt, isn't it? You see, Colin, if you'll take it, put up the passage in Romans up here. This is a rather long passage, but there are some really great things that I want you to see in this passage. Uh, in the book of Romans, it talks about this idea of being slave to sin. I want to bring some of these things out. You see, freedom leads, excuse me, freedom from leads to freedom to. So in other words, once we have been delivered and we are free from sin, Romans 6 tells us we are free to live freely in obedience to the word of the Lord because you can't do it before then. If you're not free from sin, you cannot be free to serve the Lord. So look at the passage. If you'll begin in verse 13, uh, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Now watch these words closely in verse 14. Sin is no longer your master. That's one difficulty we have to start with because no one wants to admit that sin is their master. No one wants that stain on their life. No one wants to admit that. But the truth is, we're going to be slaves one way or the other. That's the term in the New Testament that Paul uses. And the idea is it's, a, it's one of the chattel terms for slavery. And it was using the idea that, that outside of your own belongings, it, you had people and they were looked at as property or other things that might be in their possession belonged to them. They had ownership. So here's what uh, he goes on to say. Sin is no longer your master, you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? 
Paul says, of course not. Of course not. Look at verse 16 closely. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You could be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you could choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. There are no other options. You're the here or you're here. There's nowhere in between. There is no neutral category in this. Verse 17 says, Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. Verse 18 is really important. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. You see, in the ownership situation, either sin owns you or God owns you. You see it in Romans right there? You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to the Lord God because he bought you with a price. He bought you with a price. Let's go down to verse 22 in that if we have to kind of just to save for the sake of time here. Verse 22 of that passage in Romans 6 says, But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. It's a pretty good trade-out, wouldn't you think? It's a pretty good trade-out. You were here, but now you're here. This way, this perspective of freedom leads to death. This one leads to life. Second Peter chapter 2 also talks about the same idea. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Peter and, and, and Paul had the same idea. Two different authors, same understanding of the same issues. You are a slave to whatever controls you. That's what Jesus is telling the crowd. And please understand, we weren't in that crowd, were we? We're here today, right, over 2,000 years later. But looking at these words, do you understand that Jesus is talking to us the same way he was talking to them? These are his words. This is what he said. And we're looking at the script of those people that day that he was talking to. And now he's looking at us. He says the same thing. So what is the result of freedom then? Also in that passage in verse 35, going back to uh, our passage there in, in the Gospel of John. A slave, Jesus says, is not a permanent member of the family. But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. See, slaves are in the house and provide functional activity, right? They provide services, but they do not receive the blessings that the family members receive. Eventually, slaves are removed from the house. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. But a son is part of the family forever. 
And Jesus moves from that. He says, so if the Son, and Jesus is saying, notice the capital S there on that. He's referring to himself. He is the Son. Sets you free. If I declare you to be free, it means you're a part of the family, and you'll be that way forever. Slaves are not part of the family. They will never be declared free because you don't belong to the family. You're a slave to sin. Can't be both. Well, this is the issue of what Jesus is talking about on that day in, in John chapter 8 about freedom. The people that day in that crowd had a preconceived idea that all of their understanding about their notion of freedom was based on their own culture, their own religion, their own law, the surrounding cultures formed what they thought was correct about freedom, what it really means. And as a result of that, they took that understanding and tried to make sense of it in a spiritual way and wound up distorting the truth of Scripture and how to live their lives. And Jesus lays it out there and says, this is the real issue about freedom. You have to obey my word. You have to follow my direction, my teachings. And if you do that, if you let the spiritual understanding of the principles of what freedom is about spiritually, that, and what that simply means is we have been removed and delivered from the power of sin into the kingdom of light. That's the spiritual understanding of what freedom is. We are now, we have moved beyond slave to sin to slave to the Lord God. That's what he's talking about. That's the spiritual understanding of what freedom is. And when we understand that in the spiritual sense, those become the governing principles by which you operate in our lives. Too many times I think our minds get set on thinking we know all about this. We know what freedom is. But they have no relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no walk with him. There's no fellowship with him. They're just like the crowd that day. And when they come face to face with the truth of what Jesus is saying, they get offended, they get mad, and they walk away. And Jesus looks around at the rest who are standing there with him and says, are you going to leave too? Just like in John 6. So let me break this down real quick. Let me just give you some principles of uh, biblical freedom. Just some things to remember. You see, Obedience is central to freedom. You cannot be biblically, spiritually free apart from being obedient to the Scriptures. Obedience is central to freedom. Second principle, truth and freedom are inseparable. You know, sometimes Jesus has really difficult words for us, doesn't he? Really hard things. And they go against our grain, don't they? Difficult. We don't like it. Our sinful nature rears its ugly head. And you know what? I'm just not going to do that. Forgive 70 times 7. You don't know what they did to me. I said forgive 70 times 7. Yeah, but you don't know the details Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter. I said 70 times 7. Did I forgive you? And what I forgave you for was far more than what one person might have done to you. And I forgave you. 
Ah, Jesus, I can't, I can't do that. And you walk away. Where's the obedience to the Scripture? See, truth and freedom are inseparable. They go together. You cannot separate the two of them. Third principle of biblical freedom is you can't discover the, uh, you, you can't discover the truth of biblical freedom apart from Jesus Christ himself. If you are trying to pull your understanding of freedom from any other source, then you can't possibly understand what true freedom is. It's based in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last biblical freedom idea, principle here, is that physical reality does not define spiritual reality. It's the other way around. We study, we read the Lord's Word, we let that become the forming idea of our understanding about life. And then we take those principles, plug them in, and we begin to make our decisions and live the way that Jesus says we live. How to respond to certain situations according to what the Scripture says. Not our opinions and not what we like, not what makes us uncomfortable. That's not the issue. Not the issue. The issue is this, you're going to do it or not. If you do, then you'll understand true freedom. If you don't, you have no freedom. You have no freedom. We just saw the video clip, Freedom Was a Highway, I guess. Maybe it's appropriate to ask this question. If freedom was a highway, which highway are you on? Which one are you on? There's one highway that's way down the road, way down the horizon, and you're driving right to the kingdom because you're free. The other highway, well, it may be still down the road as well. It's not to the kingdom. It's not to the kingdom. It's to the gates of hell. There is no merging off this way. There is no taking another direction. There's one highway. So I just ask you to kind of maybe reflect as we go into the idea of, uh, you know, uh, enjoying our 4th of July celebration and, and, you know, enjoy the day, you know. Have fun. You know, let the fireworks go. Make that barbecue. Have the family for a picnic. You know, watch that move that's special to you. Enjoy the day, but don't let the real understanding of what we think freedom is obscure the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. That's first. So maybe take a few moments tomorrow or even today maybe. Because, you know, without the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no freedom at all. No freedom at all because our freedom is the freedom that will last eternally. We are free eternally. So while we enjoy all the celebration of freedom of July 4th, and we should, but at this moment as we observe communion, I would ask that you come and celebrate your freedom in Christ Jesus. But if you've never let the truth make you free, if you've never done that, then you have no freedom to celebrate. But that can be changed today. That can be changed. Because Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. All you have to do is take his freedom.